All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have Alex Vanderhaar. He's the CEO and founder of Hidden Falls Media, which provides a one-stop shop digital solution for businesses small and large. He guides, uh, they guide companies through a digital transformation, preparing them to compete and excel in the new digital selling landscape. He combines both neuroscience and, psych and his uh, psychology background into the digital marketing advertising landscape, unlike anyone else in the world. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This will be awesome. Absolutely. So tell me a little about, can we just break down for the listeners kind of what exactly Hidden, uh, Hidden Falls is and how you're incorporating neuroscience and psychology, as I mentioned. Totally. So we're a, what's called a neuromarketing agency. So we look at neuroscience and psychology research on human behavior, human buying patterns, and we translate that back down into digital marketing campaigns and marketing and advertising strategies for small businesses and medium businesses. Um, We've been doing that since 2018, but we've been, I've been doing digital marketing a whole lot longer. It was just in 2018 when we got started and started our agency to do this. Uh, you know, it really was to go out and solve a problem. There were a ton of people that were looking at one or two hour YouTube courses, calling themselves a digital marketing expert, opening up shop charging companies, five to $10,000 a month to run Facebook ads and companies were getting left burned in the dust because they were spending all this money and getting no return. And a lot of the times, you know, it's not, they don't know how to pull the levers on the back end of these platforms, but they don't understand human behavior as a whole and what really drives humans to make purchasing decisions. What makes them loyal to your brand? How do you keep them coming back beyond just the first purchase or the first conversion point of, you know, scheduling an appointment or getting them to schedule as a lead with you as a company? So that's really what we focus on is how do you take all that psychology and neuroscience research that's already out there and there's always more coming out, but taking all of that and distilling it back down into the business world so it's actually usable. And what are some of the biggest like misconceptions you think like marketers or advertisers are making right now um, in terms of not understanding human uh, behavior? Yeah, the most common one we see is that my business is for everybody. And when your business is for everybody, it's truly for nobody. So really getting in and narrowing down your key target demographics. Yeah, you may know like, okay, I've got females age 30 to 40 but do you know where they shop? Do you know what other restaurants they go to? Do you know what they watch on TV? Do they watch Netflix more, or Hulu more? Do they spend more time on their phone or on their laptop? And starting to break a lot of this down, we can start to look at their daily habits and really start to interject your brand into their existing life and not have it be such an obtrusive, the more I shout, the more I just scream my brand and my message at you, hopefully that idea sticks. And that's what we see a lot of a lot of small businesses try to do on their own. It's just if I just scream enough through paid advertising at my clients, eventually my branding and my messaging will sink in as opposed to it being a natural kind of glove and fit into their lifestyle that they already have. Okay. And are you, are you up to date on any of the, do you keep uh, track of like the sort of EEG research um, with marketing kind of mm -hmm. that neuromarketing field? Yeah. What are, what are some of the coolest findings, say recent findings that you've seen from that? 
So my favorite ones are actually not modern. A lot of them are still kind of old, but what's fascinating is that they still hold up. And it's one of those things where because this field is still still developing, it's still being tapped into, there, are, there is a lot that's constantly coming out. As far as new research that's really kind of captivated me, it's looking at uh, big companies like Coca-Cola and how they look at brand development over the lifetime and how they integrate different senses into their branding with that and what what's coming back into the brain from those perspectives. So uh, looking at shape of bottle, looking at uh, the, the level of sound that you hear when you first open up the actual like twist off. Uh, what's that first initial smell doing to the brain and looking at what type of memories does that evoke back for you? Uh, that's really inside the research what I find more interesting than looking at, okay, we slipped into theta or alpha wave when we're looking at this. Yeah, it tells us different things about where their mind's at, what kind of, of uh, consciousness processing they're looking at, but really where it starts to fascinate me more is how do we integrate all the senses into that level of marketing and which senses are pulling back different levels for each brand okay and can you give me like sort of examples as far as like how you might integrate like sort of sensory information into like an ad campaign for instance sure so a lot of it can't be done obviously we can't make an ad smell right like it's it's just not part of that ecosphere of what we can do yet with technology so there's amazing things that we can do for triggering memory through words, through sound, and through different experiences that we can do. Um, for example, like if we talk about the idea of mowing your grass, right, and the smell of the fresh cut grass with the wind blowing in the summer breeze and you crack open the lid to a Corona or crack off the top to one, right, you may not be able to smell right there from the ad but you can still layer in those old factory senses through verbiage through good copywriting through good messaging through whatever creative you use to pull back into that sphere side of the brain starting to think about things at that level and not just where most people sit which is and bury the neocortex area the new part of the brain focusing on high level executive functioning which we know isn't what drives consumers to purchase or to lead into a brand they always revert back to their old limbic system side of the brain the old reptilian brain that focuses on emotion survival filling that hierarchy of needs as maslow has them and starting to kind of revert back to those so how do we stack ads stack campaigns so if it's a digital brand only you know where can we interject those into the business if it's a brick and mortar how do we take that brick and mortar experience and take all those, the five senses associated with that brick and mortar and pull it back online. So that way they have those opportunities for that back and forth. Okay. I think we see a big rise of that with like ASMR, right? Like you see a lot of brands starting to get into those types of ideas of like, you know, what does it sound like to open a Coke bottle or what does it sound like to pop open uh, like bubble wrap? that they use specifically inside of their company for packages? Or what is it like when you open up the fresh thing of protein powder for a supplement company, right? What's the sound? What's that first initial wave that you get? Right, right. Interesting. So just a, a question that came to mind, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of in the field of psychology uh, and neurophysiology research. So it's like, I feel like I'm a bit biased. Um, as far as like how many people when when you think they see ads 
do you think they can sort of understand, oh, like I'm sort of getting triggered by this one to really want to buy this thing? Or do you think it's like completely out of their conscious awareness? I mean, it goes into what, what you pay attention to gets measured, right? So if you're not paying attention to it, it tends to slip by, but it comes back into how you create around the creative and how you start to develop that into that person's life. And does it truly match who that individual is outside of just the basic demographic profile, right? You and I can be in the same age group. We could live in the same town, but we could live two totally different lives that have almost zero interests like one another. So where I see a lot of brands and opportunities kind of using that information to make sure that those ideas stick and create those hooks is using, you know, content that is elevated outside of just black and white print that's using things like video that are using things like VR experience that are using different avenues to intersect their brand into people's everyday life to create those experiences and pull them back online. Uh, we get a lot of really weird misconceptions about what social media can truly do or what it is. Um, and I think the term social media does the platforms themselves injustices for, and that's a totally different conversation, but it's truly meant to be a way to interact and connect with your consumer base. And what a better way to get almost instantaneous feedback on a product, on a service, on a review, on the way that your customer services from beginning to end of your brand what is what are your customers saying and what's that feedback chamber look like and how fast and how accurate is it truly of what's truly being represented inside of the business as a whole how accurate do you believe that that people's you know say uh verbal or you know feedback to you is completely accurate in the sense you know that that obviously like you know like the idea of like cognitive dissonance uh, or sort of like, you know, if someone, someone says, Oh no, this ad doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, but then a week later they're going to buy, you know, whatever it was that was being advertised and they're like, they don't make that kind of connection. Is that something that like you think about a lot? Sure. It comes down to how many touch points is it going to take? We've known this inside of marketing for over a hundred years that it takes multiple touch points to ever convert somebody on an idea. Just like the first time you expose somebody to an idea of anything, you know, you're, you're always going to have the early adopters. You're going to have the bulk majority of that bell curve that are going to be your average adopters within that time frame. And then you're going to have the ones at the end of that bell curve that, you know, are still holding on to the idea that AOL and dial up are going to make a comeback. So when we look at that distribution, it's where do we spend the majority of our dollars to make sure we're getting the most bang for our buck? Because on either sides of those extremes, you're always going to have more expensive costs. But how far do you start to stack that bell curve in your favor so you're not playing to the downhill, you're playing to that up and growth and not constantly playing that expensive ad game? Okay, that makes sense. What uh, what role do you feel like you know virtual reality can can sort of start creating for advertisers? I think a really good opportunity for is how it will start to take over brick and mortar because we see this with big box retailers, right? Most of the time, people go to big box retailers and they don't actually buy the product there. They just want to see it in reference to either what it would look like inside of a living room, what it would look like, how it would feel like, what 
how like size orientation humans have a really hard time when you if I give you measurements online of like this thing's 36 inches right and when we go to try to put that in our head of like okay like how how big is this really I think where VR and AR will play an important role in that is being able to instantly kind of give you that live readout of what a product or you know service would look like inside of your home if we're looking at like a new Sono speaker or a new uh, Alexa and it's totally redesigned we've never seen this type of shape before not in this size what would it look like inside of my home if I put it there or what would it look like inside of my office space would it fit would it flow same thing with like artwork right being able to project and build out your own workspace before you actually go out and buy anything very much how like Instagram uses some of their posts where you can have the post of people wearing or models wearing different image or different clothing, different watches, different accessories, and being able to go out and shop that individually based on that image. I think that's what's going to start to translate through AR and VR experiences of, hey, we can upload a workspace, we can upload a car, we can upload uh, your living room, and let's start to build this out how it would truly look for your life. Yeah, very cool. I wanted to, to ask you about, you know, there's a famous study uh, for, for people who uh, are listening um, about, and there may have been uh, numerous replication studies looking at sort of Pepsi versus Coke um, from kind of a neuroscience perspective, since we know they're the same ingredients, right? Uh, but it was looking at, okay, what, what makes someone loyal to one brand or the other? Is that a study? Are you familiar with that? I mean, not exact numbers, but I do remember kind of the overall gist of it. Right. Were, were there certain things like you felt like we learned about the brain uh, or just other studies, maybe, um, if you have more familiarity, that really yeah. like helped kind of solidify like your understanding of like why people make the buying choices that they do? Sure. I think the more interesting side of that coin is what makes somebody leave a brand for one another, right? And I think we're seeing that right now as we've started to come into uncertainty out of Tony Robbins talks about this all the time, the six basic human fundamental needs and how they're different than what Maslow has that the same, they all fit inside that Maslow hierarchy, but they don't, they aren't labeled the same. And what we look at this as the idea of novelty or uncertainty, which is how he tends to label those is that's when we start to see brands make a big shift is when the society as a whole is kind of making a global transformation or a cultural transformation. We start to see people become less loyal on the idea of brand and more loyal on the idea of experience. So if the brand knows sucked, but I've put up with them because it's the devil I know, what makes them switch and flip into something different? And it's typically when we're experiencing cultural uncertainty or a cultural shift to that degree that we start to evaluate everything. So right now, a lot of people are evaluating the gyms that they're going to, or whether you take you know, the stance of I wear a mask or I don't wear a mask, the companies that are going to allow me to walk into the facility without a mask versus the ones that are going to shoo me out with a broomstick. I'm going to make that brand loyalty choice based off of my own personal identity and how that's aligning with where culture is shifting. And that's really going to be some of the biggest triggers that start to flip us from one brand loyalty over to another. Is that something that, that you've already sort of taken into account, like with your guys' work, just with businesses kind of during this COVID era? 
Totally. Uh, how do you layer in deeper customer experience and deeper branding experience? Because there's research that backs us up outside of psychology and neuroscience and more in the economic sphere is that whenever there's economic downturn, we start to look at uh, the companies that invest into brand loyalty, brand experience, advertising and marketing are always the ones that come out ahead after the end of the economic downturn. So what are the companies doing right now to make that level of huge impact in order to push through the next two to three years, create better customer experience, really get into their needs and what their true desires as a human being are, and how does your brand or product or service interlace with where that is today? And for a lot of our clients where we're not just doing basic ad work or we're not doing copywriting work for them, that's where a lot of our focus has been in really trying to open their minds and open our minds to uh, what are the creative and possible ways that we can interject deeper brand messaging, deeper brand relationships with each individual consumer and with the company as a whole. So that way, as we push through the next two to three years, that we're creating more distance and more separation from everybody else that's just playing survival and fear mode within their business now. Okay. And, and where else do you see, are there other sort of uh, avenues that you see, you know, specifically say Hidden Falls kind of going towards, you know, in the future um, that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, I think a big area for us, and it's an area that I've been super happy about, is how do we create advertising and marketing campaigns that are not using things like FOMO or fear of missing out or, you know, using fear-based marketing is proven not to be effective. And it doesn't allow for word of mouth to translate as easy. It doesn't allow for these massive cultural shifts to push through the internet. So how do we start to develop company messaging and branding around the idea of gratitude, empathy, happiness, fulfillment, right? A lot of these big buzzwords out there inside the business community that are truly making a massive cultural shift. Look at what advertising has done to us as a culture and community already. You know, how can we kind of flip that script and attack different areas of our society that need to be improved upon and worked on to reflect a lot of that? Because, I mean, look at, look at the way mirror neurons work, right? For those of you that don't know what mirror neurons are, the fastest way to kind of examine this is when somebody else yawns, you yawn too, because your mirror neurons are checking your homo homeostatic behavior of where your oxygen levels are. So they're constantly looking around you, looking for social clues and environmental clues to be able to bring you back to a certain state and kind of mirror what's going on so you don't seem out of place and you don't get attacked by a tribe. So how can we use mirror neurons within advertising and marketing to reflect certain images back to us from a cultural standpoint that align with our customers' core values and their own belief systems that are going to serve both, into both the company and the mission of that company and the beliefs and identity structures of the individual that is truly the unique profile or customer that we're going after? Right on. Okay. Um, and Alex, this has been a really interesting discussion. I know we're coming up onto the end of the show right now, um, but for those of uh, people who enjoyed the episode, where would you direct them to to find out more about uh, your work, Hidden Falls, uh, any resources that you want to provide? Yeah, uh, the best place to find us is www.hiddenfallsmedia.com. You can also find us on all social media platforms, Hidden Falls Media across the board. Awesome. And, and for thanks those, for having me, Toby. This is awesome. I'm super glad I got to come on and do this. Super absolutely, grateful. Absolutely. Yeah, glad to have you. 
And for those of you who, uh, guys who enjoyed the show, go ahead and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Roscoe's Wetsuit. And you can also find audio versions of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, and now we're on Stitcher. Um, so go ahead and check us out whichever way you want. Alex, again, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm super grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely.